Amen. You know, I was thinking as I was watching that, I was like, you know, if, if someone were to ask you, how do you know Jesus is alive? How do, you, how do you know that he's alive? And the only thing I can tell you this morning is because he lives in me. You know, the thing about Easter or any kind of religion, you know, sometimes I think we can, we can feel like it's cold and it, it's meaningless. And how many of you have ever felt like, you know, I, I kind of just come to church or was part of a, a church and it, it was just something I did. I, I, it was just something I did on Sunday or, or I went through some religious classes or whatever and it was just something I did, but it, it, really, didn't, it really didn't affect me personally because really when I woke up on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I kind of went about my own life the way I felt like I needed to. And then, oh yeah, on Sunday, I might think about the Lord or think about Jesus and, and, and then go to church. And the thing that I can say to you here this morning, I can't convince you with great words of knowledge or wisdom. I, I, could, I can show you a lot of things in the scriptures. I can show you the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. But you know, the bottom line is, unless you believe, it will make no difference in your life. And I can tell you personally, as a 16-year-old teenager, I came to that knowledge of who Jesus was. And I bowed my knee before him, and by faith, I believed that Jesus was real. Now, I grew up in church. You know, I, I cut my teeth on the, on the pews. I went to Sunday school. I did all the right things, but I never really got it. I, I can remember on Easter morning as a kid waking up and not getting it. It wasn't until I took a step of faith and believe that Jesus really was alive. That he really died for me. And that by me taking that step of faith, it became real. It became so real that it changed my life. For a boy that was a freshman in high school to walk back into school the next day and say something is different. And the only thing I can tell you is this. And I've related to the story of this blind man that Jesus healed. And he was interrogated by the religious people saying, who healed you? When did they do it? Don't you know it was on the Sabbath? He wasn't supposed to heal you. And this blind man said this to his interrogators, to the religious people at the time. He goes, I don't know what to tell you. But all I can tell you is this. I was blind, and now I see. And it was a man named Jesus that healed me. And all I can tell you this morning is, I was blind and I came to Christ, and he opened up my spiritual eyes, and it changed my life. That's my desire for you this morning, is that God would open your eyes. For some of you here today, you are striving for the wrong things. And Christ needs to grab your heart, and the only way he can do that is when he opens your eyes by faith. And when you take that step of faith and believe, all things are possible. You'll have a new hope. You'll have a new reason for living. Death no longer has its hold on your life. And all I can tell you this morning is stop living by what you see. It will always disappoint you. When you put your hope in Christ, who conquered the grave, he will change everything for you. Now, does that mean 
everything's going to change tomorrow, that all your problems are going to go away? Yeah, they will. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) They won't. They'll still be there, and you're going to say, that pastor lied to me. They're going to still be there, but you know what? They're not going to conquer you anymore. They're not going to be the thing that drives your life anymore because now your hope is in Christ, the one who overcame. And you know that this world isn't all that there is anymore. That there's a hope for those that have put their hope in their, in their faith and their life in Christ. That no longer that problem overwhelms you because Jesus will say to you, I'm going to walk with you through that problem and through that issue and I will never let you go. Amen? Let's pray. That's the end. That was good. I, I'll take that message right there any day. Amen. I want you to take out your notes. I, I want to I back up this claim that I've just made to you today. And why? Listen, I'm not just here as a pastor, a professional pastor, hallelujah, with reverend before my name. And, and well, you're supposed to say that, pastor, because, you know, you're a pastor and you've been a pastor for 21 years and, 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 and you went to school and you studied this stuff. So that's what you're supposed to to believe. No, I want to tell you this morning, I believe it because it's real to me because it changed my life. And, and how many know if, if it hasn't changed you, then we shouldn't be talking about it, right? If someone's trying to sell you something and they're not convinced by the product they're selling you, are you going to buy that product? No way, because it hasn't changed the person that's selling it. I want to tell you today, I'm a product of Christ who's changed me. And I am convinced that there's no other way. Now, I, I believe that because Christ has changed me personally, but I also believe it because there's a lot of evidence that backs it up also. And I've been a Christian for 30 years now, and no one can convince me otherwise that Jesus is not who he says he is. And the more I study the word, the more I see the evidence, the more I'm convinced, Jesus, you are who you say you are. And I've got one word why this day is so different from any any other day and the one word is resurrection that's what changed it for me everything about christianity revolves around this one event without it without the resurrection christianity just becomes another religion how many of you know this morning we don't need another religious system somebody say by the way you can say amen in this church that's okay it's okay. I, I like that. We, we like to be responsive. I don't want you to sit there and, and fall asleep on me this morning, okay? Listen. Listen. I don't want another religious system. I don't want another thing that I have to believe in. The resurrection changes everything. Everything about Christianity rises and falls on this one event. If it never happened, then our belief in Christ is in vain. I love this biblical scholar, William Lane Craig, says this. He says, without the, I think it's in your notes there. It says, without the belief in the resurrection, the Christian faith could have never come into being. The disciples would have, ne- would have remained crushed and defeated men. Even had they continued to remember Jesus as their beloved teacher, his crucifixion would have forever silenced any hopes of, of him being the Messiah. The cross would have remained the sad and shameful end of his career. The origins of Christianity, therefore, hinges on the belief of the early disciples that God raised Jesus from the dead. I love these words 
that the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians because they're kind of concerned. What happens after we die? And everybody asks that question. What happens after we die? I mean, what goes on? And, And it's not that the Corinthians, as Paul wrote to them, I don't think it's not that they didn't believe in the resurrection or that Jesus had had rose from the grave. But what they're saying is, how does it affect my life? How does this help me to overcome my fear? Because every single one of us, I don't care who you are here, we have a fear of death because it's it's final. It's, 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 it's the final end and it's what happens on that other side. And listen, you can try to push that off as much as you want, but let me just tell you, I just Googled it this morning. The mortality rate in the United States is 100%. So I just Googled it. It's never going to, okay, it's not going to change. So it's inevitable. We are going to die. And you've got to, you've got to ask yourself a hard question. Where am I going when I die? And I'm telling you, if you don't have answers for your life, I would be fearful right now. I would walk in fear. But, but here's the thing. Paul addresses these Corinthians and gives them hope. And what he does is for the basis of his argument, he talks about what Christ did for us and his resurrection. Let's read it there. 1 Corinthians 15, great chapter. And what Paul says, starting in verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed is raised from the dead, how can you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And he's saying, because Christ raised from the grave, you too will be raised from the dead. He says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. He says, we're liars then if if we're proclaiming this resurrection. We're fake. We're phony. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, from whom he did not raise. If it is true, then the dead are not raised. Then we have no hope. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ has, has not even been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Everything rises and falls on this fact of the resurrection. Paul tells his listeners, listen, if there's no resurrection, then our preaching, our teaching is meaningless. Without the resurrection, we would still remain in our sins and not forgiven from God. So listen, if there's no resurrection, let's shut the doors of the church right now and go on our way. Because without the resurrection... There's no proof that we too can conquer death. There's no proof that Jesus actually conquered the grave. And so Paul encourages them. Everything you believe, your faith, all hinges on the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. W.J. Sparrow Simpson says this, If the resurrection is not a historic fact, then the power of death remains unbroken and with and the effects of sin and the significance of Christ's death remains uncertain. It remains uncertified. And accordingly to believers are yet in their sins, precisely where they were before they heard of the name Jesus. So the bottom line, without the resurrection, we have no hope. And that w- that's what Paul was trying to stress. Jesus' whole life pointed to this one significant event when asked by the religious elite to show them a sign 
that he indeed was authentic, that he was from God, that he was the son of God, the only thing he would point them to was the resurrection. Jesus never talked about his death without talking about the resurrection. So he just wasn't some nice teacher that just died for people. He pointed to the resurrection because that's what authenticated him as the son of God. So Jesus basically stakes his whole credibility on this one fact that he would conquer death. Wow! He spoke it. He, he didn't allude to it. He wasn't fuzzy with this. He said, I will conquer death. And no one has ever walked on the face of this earth that has conquered death except Christ. Of all the world, the major world religions, none of them except Christianity claim an empty tomb. Every other major world religious leader is six feet under. You know where they are. You know where they're buried. You can't find Jesus. He ain't there. So without the resurrection, Christianity would have never gotten started. And so the resurrection, I want you to understand, is not an afterthought. It's not just one doctrine that the church teaches among others. It is the, it is the doctrine to which all other doctrines of the church hinge upon without it there is no church somebody say amen okay john stott great preacher teacher says this he said jesus himself never predicted his death without adding that he would rise and describes his coming resurrection as a sign Paul, at the beginning of his letter to the Romans, wrote that Jesus was a designated Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. And the earliest sermons of the apostles recorded in Acts repeatedly assert that by the resurrection, God has reversed man's sentence and vindicated his Son. We have so much to be thankful for because of the resurrection. So here's the deal. That's why millions of people are at church today, for this very reason— the resurrection. So you, you might be here for a couple of reasons. Maybe you came to church this morning, uh, maybe not for the purpose of, hey, I want to come and worship Jesus because of the resurrection. Maybe you came here this morning because you're made to feel guilty to come, right? Any of you ever made to feel guilty to come to church? My whole upbringing was that way. No, I'm just teasing. Okay, so you're made to feel guilty to come. Maybe some of you were brought up in, in a type of church background. So if you don't go to church, you're going to hell. Doesn't that just make you feel warm and fuzzy inside? So that's a great reason. Some of you are here today for religious reasons. Some of you know that, wait, we're supposed to come to church on Christmas and Easter. Isn't that, isn't that the deal? We're supposed to come on Christmas and Easter. Some of you are just checking things out, the whole Christian thing. Some of you thought, well, this is a better day than others to come, so I guess I'll come today. Some of you came today because you were promised to have ham after the service. You were bribed with a nice spiral ham with, with the glaze over the top of it. A little mashed potatoes on the side. Some green beans. Some cornbread. Maybe a little pie after, right? A little coffee with the pie. No, I'm, okay. Let's think about that for a moment. Nice glazed Halloween. So here's the deal. If the resurrection is true, then it should completely revolutionize the way we live, shouldn't it? If, if, if the early disciples believed this, 
it changed everything about their lives and it should ours too. And, and this is what I want you to see today. This is what I want to look at today is that how does the resurrection change everything? If the resurrection is the basis for everything, then it should change the way the church lives and the way we live our individual lives. And, and I want to look at some of the most compelling verses that I believe that are in Scripture today and the scriptures that point to the importance of the resurrection and why it's the basis for all we believe. And, and Paul really emphasizes this as we just read earlier to the Corinthians. So look at your notes again there. Or look up at the screens or in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 15. I love what Paul says here because he's encouraging this church not to give up, not to lose hope that everything they're doing has a reason. And the reason is the resurrection. And this is what he says. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the words I preached to you unless you believe in vain. For I, for I deliver to you as first importance what I also received, what was taught to me from Christ himself, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. As he was writing this, he's telling the Corinthians, listen, the resurrection's the basis for everything you believe. If you don't believe me, there are still many people that are alive today that actually witnessed the resurrection and you can tell them. Now there's a lot of theories that it was just a hallucination uh, that people saw Jesus uh, raise, rise from the grave. 500 people had a hallucination. It would take more faith to believe that 500 people hallucinated than the resurrection itself. Come on. 500 people witnessed this and he says, you can go out and ask them, Yourself, Though some have fallen asleep, though some have died out of those 500, most are still alive. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one ultimate, uh, untimely born, he appeared also to me. And, and, and Paul also, on the road to Damascus, saw the risen Savior. So what Paul does in these verses is he sets up the reliability of the resurrection. He's not just saying this is some fable, this is some story. There's actual proof that Jesus rose from the grave, and I hope this encourages you today as he writes them. So as he writes to the Corinthians, they're not necessarily doubting the resurrection of Christ. What their main concern is, what happens after we die? So before, before Paul even answers that question, he goes into the proof of the resurrection. This is a big deal. Without the bodily resurrection, we would have no hope for the future. And what proof does Paul give for this resurrection? Let me give you just a couple things here real quick of the proof that Paul gives for the resurrection. In those passages, Paul says, first of all, I have eyewitness proof that Jesus rose from the grave. There's actual historical evidence that Jesus rose from the grave. Paul mentions five appearances of the risen Christ, including 500 people who witnessed him at once for 40 days. Jesus, after his resurrection and before his ascension, met with different people. And so Paul makes this point. These are eyewitnesses to Christ. If this was some elaborate conspiracy, wouldn't someone have come forward and said, 
you know, Paul, this isn't really true. The jig is up. You know, here's his body. He really didn't raise from the grave. Don't you think someone would come forward? Out of those 500 people and all the apostles, every single one of them says, this is a true story. And Paul tells his listeners, some of these witnesses are still alive. You can go and ask them yourself. Here's one of the, one of the greatest evidences that I believe uh, for the resurrection itself is, is the martyr's death that most of the apostles died a martyr's death because of their belief in the resurrection. And so another historical fact we have from church history is that the majority of the apostles died a martyr's death. John that we know of is probably the only one that we know of that didn't actually die a martyr's death. So here's the main point I want you to understand. Why in the world would the apostles give their lives for a lie? Why would they perpetrate a lie? Peter, church history tells us that he was crucified upside down. Why would Peter go to the cross, be hung upside down, be beaten, bruised, uh, scorned? Why would Paul be, be stoned almost to death in almost every town he went to? Why, why would he do that if he believed in a lie? Now you say, well, wait, 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 Pat, wait, 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 Pat, wait. It's not a good argument, Pastor, because what about 9-11? Didn't those guys give their lives? What about the kamikaze pilots in World War II? Didn't they give, give their lives? For the, ha, I've got the answer for you. You ready? Because you wondered that. Isn't my tie nice? Isn't this a nice tie? I just noticed that's a really nice Easter tie. Here's the reason why. They died for some philosophical reason. They believed that what they were doing, their philosophical reason for the World War II pilot, Japan pilot, they were dying for their emperor for some religious reason, blah, 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 for the 9-11 event, for those terrorists. They were, they were believing in some religious thing, some philosophical idea, some hope that they had. Here's the difference. The apostles and the early disciples and those that gave their life actually died on the very fact that Jesus rose from the grave, that they saw him. Big difference. And so either they were dying for a lie, which is ridiculous. Wouldn't someone step forward and say, come on, the, the jig is up. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad we perpetrated this to try to get it going so everybody would believe us. But I'm not giving my life for this lie. They didn't do that. They gave their life for the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. But here's the biggest evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Are you ready? You know what the biggest evidence is for Jesus' resurrection? Empty tomb. Here's the biggest evidence. No one has found the body. Do you know why? It's not there. Let you in on a secret. It's not there. Now you think, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Couldn't the, the Jews have stole the body? Why in the world would they take it? Because if they took it, then it would perpetrate the idea that he actually rose from the grave. Then you think, well, why didn't the Romans take it? Well, the Romans, for the same reason, wouldn't want to do that. So they actually, the Bible tells us, had guards at the entrance of the tomb so that very thing wouldn't happen. The biggest thing is no one has ever found the body and until they produce the body which they never will it's an empty tomb 
So you can sit there and argue with me all day long. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? The bottom line is there is no body. The bottom line is there is so much evidence for the resurrection of Christ. It's overwhelming. And so until you come to grips with that very fact, you've got a lot of questions you've got to answer in your life. So here's, here's the bottom line. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, makes this great statement. Jesus never claimed just to be a great teacher. He never claimed just to be another man. He never claimed just to be a nice guy who, who did some nice healings. He never claimed just to be another religious figure. Jesus actually came and claimed to be the Son of God. The only reason Jesus died on the cross was for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. So C.S. Lewis makes this great quote. He says, Jesus doesn't give us this option for how we are to believe in him. You either have to believe that Jesus is a complete liar, that either he's a complete lunatic on the same level as a poached egg, or you have to believe that he is Lord. There is no other option. So until you come to that, you, you, you only have two ways of believing in Christ, that he's either a complete liar. Don't, don't patronize Jesus by just calling him a good teacher. He was a good teacher, but he never claimed that that's all he was. Don't patronize Christ by saying, oh, he's just a, a nice man, a nice religious figure, a nice prophet on the same level as all the other great religious teachers. He never claimed to be that. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto God but by me. So listen, it's not what I believe. It's not what our church teaches. It's not what some religious denominational group teaches. It's what Jesus said. Deal with it. No, I'm just telling you. You've got to deal with it. So it's either he's a liar he's, or, or, or he's a complete lunatic or you bow down before him and you say, Jesus, you are Lord. And so, so we, we have this, this empty tomb. So you may say, okay, Pastor, that's great, but, but what does it mean for us today in 2012? What, what has it got to... When I wake up tomorrow morning and, and, and I have to go to work and I have to deal with the same problems that I deal with and my financial problems and my relationship problems and all these problems, how does that change my life today? Let me just say this. It can change everything if you trust Him. And so here's how it changes your life today. Paul goes on to say in that same chapter, in 1 Corinthians 15 at the end, verse 50 through, 50 through 58, he says this to encourage these brothers. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. He goes, this is going to encourage you. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Now, I always read this passage when I'm at a graveside because it just, it's exciting because we think, well, the graveside is the final destination. No, it's not. One day our bodies are going to be raised up. That which was perishable is going to take on something that's imperishable. God is going to change us. And so he says, in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Or, or O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through my religion. Is that what it says there? It says through who? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can find victory over death. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So here he gives hope to these that because Jesus died and was raised in power and conquered death, we too will be raised, that we will have these new heavenly bodies that will no longer be affected by the things of this earth. Disease and decay and growing old and getting gray hair. We were last night, the kids, once in a while they like to pull out our old videos when the kids were young. We pulled out these videos from 10 years ago. And I look like I'm 15 years old. Lily goes, Daddy, you had no gray hair. You look so young. Okay, go play in the street now, okay? Right now, go play in the street. We're growing older, aren't we? My birthday's next week. I'll be 46. <sighs> it wasn't bad when I turned 40. Then I hit 45. Now you're like, now you're pushing. <laughs> 50 and... Not ready for... No, it's... Ruth just turned 80 this week. And man, look at Ruth. She's just <laughs> praising the Lord. Amen, Ruth. She's an inspiration. I'll tell you what. You keep me going, Ruth. I'll tell you that. Praise the Lord. She's got power. I'll tell you. She's got the gusto for a living. So what does the rest... How does this make a difference in my life? Well, here, here's the deal. Here's what, here's what uh, Paul says. He says, through the resurrection... Jesus conquered sin. And, and I think for all of us, we need to be reminded that the result of sin is death, that we're all sinners and thus deserve death. So through the cross, Jesus paid the penalty that you and I could never pay ourselves. And so as the result of his resurrection, it proved who he was, that God accepted his perfect sacrifice for you and I. See, the reason why we die is because of sin. The penalty of sin in our life is death. Whether you believe it or not is up to you, but the bottom line is we're all going to die because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Just, I'm just telling you. That's the facts, okay? We're all going to die. We're all, because of sin, we all have, no matter how much you don't believe in sin or not want to believe in sin or think I'm a good person, guess what? You're going to die until you rectify that and do something about it. You're going to die in your sins and live in eternity without God. 
But here, Jesus conquers it. So the result of sin is death. We're all sinners. We deserve death. I like the way the uh, pastor in New York City, Tim Keller, puts it. Great author. He says, after a criminal does his time in jail and fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no more claim on him, and he walks out free. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sin. That was an infinite sentence. But he must have satisfied it fully because on Easter Sunday, he walked out free. The resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full right across history so that no one could miss it. So through the resurrection, God conquers the sin that holds us down. And so no longer can sin hold us down because of the resurrection. That's good news for you and I. The second thing I want you to see is through the resurrection, Jesus conquered death. Paul shares with his listeners that through the resurrection, death no more has a sting. Why? Because the sting of the unknown is no longer an issue. I had this wonderful opportunity some years ago. There was a man in our church who was in hospice care at his home. His, his wife was a nurse, and she was taking care of him. And he, was, he was in his last hours of his death, and it was early morning, and I get a phone call, and she said, Pastor, can you come over? My, my husband's getting ready to die, and he wants you to come over. And I said, okay, sure, I'll come over early in the morning. They live right around the corner from our house. So I went over there, and, and uh, this man, his name was Richard Hopkins, and he's, he's laying in, in the bed, and, and I remember praying with him. You could... You could hear him breathing, and I said, Richard, squeeze my hand. You hear him, oh, yeah, he squeezed my hand, and you could see he was in the last parts of his life. And I said, well, let's just pray, you know. And I remember putting my hand on his wrist, and I could feel his pulse as I was just holding his wrist. And halfway through my prayer, he died. He went to be with the Lord. And I remember looking at Norma, and there was such a sweet presence in that room. It was, it was the most unique, awesome experience I think I've, I've ever experienced. Because there was no fear. There was no screaming. There was no, what's going to happen? What's going on? There was a peace. Why? Why was there a peace? Because Richard's hope was in the one who already conquered death for him. He didn't have to worry. He didn't have to fear. Even his wife, Norma, didn't have to fear or worry because her hope was in the Lord. And when I walked out of that house, going back home, that scripture came to my mind. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It's been swallowed up. The victory is in Jesus Christ. I don't fear death anymore because I know my hope is not in what I believe or what I hope to believe. My hope is in the one who conquered it for me. And Jesus says, if you believe in me and you put your hope in me, you too will conquer death. So there's no more fear in my life. There's a peace in my life that no matter what happens in my future, my future is secure in the one who overcame the grave. Amen. That, that's a peace that you're not going to find anywhere. You're not going to find that on Dr. Phil. Okay? Maybe you will. Hopefully he'll talk about it one day. But that's the hope that we have, that he conquered death. Paul said our victory is through Christ. Death no more has the power over a believer's life. Listen to what Jesus says here. 
In John 11, 25 through 26, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he looks at Martha and he says, do you believe this? And praise God, she did. She looked back and she said, yes, I believe this. And finally, what I love about the resurrection is that death is not the final act. Christ paved the way for us by overcoming it. But Jesus, through his resurrection, conquers or literally secures our future. He secures that future for us. Without Christ, we are all headed in the same direction. When it comes to our future, Jesus changes our future and the resurrection validates this. And so Paul shares these verses on what we have to look forward to. And we have a lot to look forward to you. If I were to say to you, listen, I've got a deal for you. I've got three curtains. Behind curtain number one is this. Trust in your own whatever you think and how you think it's going to work out, right? And behind curtain number two is, hey, trust in some religious system or what you believe or this other person. Trust in this. Or I've got this curtain over here. Here's a guy who claimed to be the son of God who actually conquered death, who conquered it for you and I, and who said that whoever believes in me They're not going to experience any more suffering when they're with me. They're not going to experience any more heartache because they're with me, because they will conquer death and the grave. There'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more taxes, no more taxes, no more property taxes. And everybody said, if you're not a Christian here today, you're amen in me right now. Amen? We know that there's no more pain, no more suffering. I want that deal. And so the bottom line is, where am I putting my hope? You would say, man, pastor, that's a good deal. In Christ, we are promised this. And Paul explains that this is what our resurrected bodies are going to look like. No more will sin have its effect on our bodies. No more will we have back pain and aches and bruises and pains as we get older, unless you're like Ruth Brooks, who just seems to just whatever she's doing, she's doing it right. But listen, we're going to get older. We're going we're to start breaking down. That's the effect of sin on our life. But Paul says that one day our bodies are going to change. And Paul explains what our resurrected bodies are going to look like. You know what my resurrected body is going to look like? Everybody knows it that goes to this church, six foot ten, dunk a basketball, period. Okay? So let me say this. Don't put your trust in this earthly body. No matter how hard we're going to try, it'll eventually break down and eventually quit. Listen to how Paul describes our earthly bodies. He says they're perishable, they exist in dishonor, they exist in weakness, they're natural, we are of the earth dust to dust, ashes to ashes. But listen to how he describes our our resurrected bodies. They're imperishable. They're raised in glory. They're raised in power. They're spiritual. They're not formed from the ground, but from the Spirit of God, and they are immortal, 
forever to live with God. And so what Paul says in, 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 in Romans 8.18, it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And he goes on in verse 24, it says, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is no hope, for who hopes in what is seen? He's saying, don't put your hope in this world and what you can so easily see. Put your hope and put your faith in the one who's overcome this world. That's why the resurrection makes all the difference. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want to pray. And some of you here today, you're putting your hope and your trust in things that, that, that you see and, and you've lost hope today. Maybe, you, maybe you've gone to a church and that church has let you down. Maybe religion has let you down. I'm here to tell you, don't fix your eyes on man. Fix your eyes on Christ. It doesn't change who he is and what he did for you. So Lord, I pray for every heart here today. Lord, that they would put your, their, their faith in you. That, Lord, we know the biggest road, the longest road to heaven in belief in Christ is 18 inches from our mind to our heart. And there's some here today that are trying to figure it out. But Jesus, you need to change their heart. And I pray that you would do that today. That you would change hearts that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the only way we can secure our future is by putting our faith in the one who overcame, who overcame death, who rose from the grave. And there's nothing I can do, there's not enough good works I could ever do to appease you, Lord. You just tell us to put our faith in the one who overcame. And when we do that, God, you fill us with your Holy Spirit, which is a deposit of what is to come that one day we too will be guaranteed those resurrected bodies and that we will live with Christ forever, that sin will no longer hold us down, that we will not spend eternity in hell, but actually an eternity in heaven with Christ himself because he overcame. But we have to make that step and we have to put our faith in you and we have to follow you. And I pray that you would touch every heart as we do that today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, listen to the words of this song. God bless you.
something. There's a, there's a true story of a, a missionary who traveled to South America, and he, was, he reached a, a group of people that have never been reached before. And, and there was a large river that the missionary had to cross to get to these people. As he crossed this river to these people, they, they were there, and, and there was a very contagious disease that was going through the tribe, and one by one they were dying, and the missionary said to them, hey, I, I, can, I can take you to safety, and I can bring you to a hospital, and, 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 and you can uh, be healed of, of your diseases, but you need to come with me. And as they, they walked up to the river, they would not cross the river. They, they were fearful of the river because... They, they believed that the river was evil and anyone that entered into the river would die. So they're fearful. And the, and the mission is, no, it's okay. I, I, I crossed the river already. It's okay. They still wouldn't do it. So the missionary went in and he, he, he hit the water and he said, it's okay. See, and they still wouldn't do it. And the missionary got in waist deep and he said, see, nothing's happening. And they, they still wouldn't do it. Until finally the missionary dove in to the water. And he, he went under the water, all the way under, until he popped up on the other side with his hands raised in there. He said, see, I did it. All of a sudden, there was this eruption from the tribe on the other side that he made it, and he didn't die. And so those people crossed the river also to safety, to this hospital, to find healing for their diseases. You see... To them, the river represented death until somebody went before them and showed them that they wouldn't die if they just trusted. You see, Jesus Christ did the exact same thing for you and I. He just didn't talk about raising from the grave. He actually did it. And what he did for you and I is that through his death and through his resurrection, what he did for you and I is took away the sting of death and the power that it holds over our lives. But the thing that is, is you've got to trust him with your very life. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are spiritually today. But I'm here to tell you that anyone that puts their trust in Christ can find eternal life. And I'm, I'm going to be bold and honest with you today. Without Christ, you're lost. Without putting your faith in Him, you are lost. And there is this hopelessness that comes with that. But in Christ, there's that newness. Not only for the future, but for right now. He wants to change your heart right now and give you hope so that you can have a hope in this world that no matter what you go through this world can never hold you down that you have a hope that's greater than what's in this world and some of you here today you've gone through a lot of tough stuff some of you here today you've you've lost loved ones that are close to you and you're you're grappling with death and, and why do people die younger listen my wife and i get it we lost our first child at six days old i get it Life stinks sometimes, but God is good. And unless you put your hope in something greater than this world, you're going to live pretty miserable lives. And the reason why I'm hopeful today is because the reason why Jesus walked out of that tomb 
was for you and I to look in and say, I'm no longer there. The reason why he spoke to those women, the disciples, is to show them, I am no longer there. Put your hope in me and allow me to secure your future. And I guarantee you will. Amen. Listen, I'm going to pray for you today. I want to pray that you would come to know Jesus. The Bible says anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That anyone that that confesses Christ as Lord and believes that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. And, And what are you saved from? Well, you're saved from God's wrath. You're saved from death and the effects of death and sin. That's pretty good. Jesus guaranteed that all for us simply by putting your faith in him and believing that Jesus conquered your sins and died for your sins and by confessing those things, you believe what Christ has done for you. So I want to pray for you today and I want you to bow your heads and I want to pray for you today. I don't know where you are today, what you're going through today, but I want you to trust the Lord today. So just believe with me today. Put your trust and your hope in Him today. So let's believe that today. Lord, I pray for every person here today. Lord, you know where they are. God, you know what they're going through. And Lord, when we confess you and we put our faith and our trust in you, you change our lives and you change our direction. You change everything. And so Jesus, by faith, not by our works, not by our church attendance, not by our Bible reading, it's by our faith in Christ Jesus that we are now saved completely by your grace, God. You save us today. It was nothing that we did. It's everything that Jesus did for us. So I pray right now for every heart here today that they would put their faith in you and they would put their trust in you, that they would know that, Jesus, you did this for them, that this would be a new day, a day that forever will be changed for them. Thank you for this, Lord, as we put our trust in you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Listen, this is what I want you to do. There's a card in the front of your, in the front of the pew there, the seat. And uh, if you made a commitment to Christ today, this is what I want you to do. I want everyone to take that card out. Look at the card. Take it out. Look at it. There's a couple things. If you're a visitor, I want you to make sure to fill that out. if, if you didn't get a gift, we want to make sure that you get that, get that gift bag. If you're a guest with us here today, we want you to make sure to fill that out and get your gift. You can get that at the information table on your way out. But if you pray the first time and you ask Christ to come in your life and you trust Him, on the back of that card is a commitment of what my commitment was. Make sure you fill your name out in the front and make sure you check off what your commitment was today so we can follow up with you and we can encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And as you go out the door, we want to give you a free Bible, and we've got a book on the information table called What Now? And that will help you in your walk with the Lord so that you can continue in this glorious walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you made that commitment, make sure you fill that card. You can either leave that card at your seat, so you can hand it in at the information table. That's fine. We'll make sure to pick it up and uh, make sure to follow up with you. So God bless you for making a commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close with the first song because, because I like this song because it's really cool. So let's, let's sing it as we close today and let's just glorify Christ.
you go in God's grace. Amen. Have a great day. Stay for the baptism. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.